Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlo and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Beautiful sunrise going on right now outside here in southwest Louisiana. Just amazing. Took a few moments in the parking lot before walking into the Evco Development Studios to appreciate the wondrous sunrise that I saw. It's also a brand new day in the world of golf. As the inexplicable happened. The PGA Tour, who spent the last year plus having a campaign railing against the evils of the Live Tour, the blood money of the Live Tour, we'll never associate ourselves with that tour. Got Roy McElroy out front. Taking all the slings and arrows. Never going to happen. <laughs> well, as all things in life, money, money, money. It's the only thing that ever matters. As the two are merging into a new entity starting next year. Oh, the man who's in charge of the PGA Tour has supplanted Roger Goodell as the most hated commissioner of professional sports. And it took one surprise press conference. That's it. Good morning. Welcome to RV3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parch III better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined inside the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Dawson Iserlow. We got a lot to get to today. We'll get to the Astros Blue, Jay- Blue Jays game for you. We'll get to some Saints OTAs. Got to hear from Michael Thomas and Derek Carr. Uh, they're giving Saints fans some hope here about them actually being a connection. And Michael Thomas actually being healthy. We'll talk super regional matchups as well. D'Lo and I will start looking ahead to that. Start breaking those down for you as well. And of course, we'll talk to the mad dog, Ron Higgins. From Tiger Details, talking LSU. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, putting a bow on the Raging Cajun season. And then Fletcher Mackle from WDSU down in New Orleans talking Saints OTAs. So those are our guests. You know we love to hear from you as well. Game hotline's always open. 337-706-0111. But we're going to lead off today talking about the unification of world golf, which I love how they phrase that. 
PGA Tour, Live Golf, and DP World Tour will unify under one umbrella. After being embroiled in a bitter legal battle for more than a year, they have agreed to unify and move forward in a larger commercial business. The tours called the stunning development a, quote, landmark agreement on a global basis. Jay Monahan, the now most hated man in sports, at least for a little while, quote, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. I wonder why that is. What we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. We've recognized that together we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart. The game of golf is better for what we've done here today, end quote. Landmark deal between the tours and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, the PIF, which was the sticking point for everyone. The national golf media that railed against this, the PGA Tour, Monaghan, Roy McIlroy, everyone across the board didn't want to take the blood money from Saudi Arabia who was whitewashing. What did I tell y'all? What did I tell y'all? And here it is. All of a sudden, they're good to go. All of a sudden, a little 10-minute meeting. They're good to go. It's all good. Now, mind you, the Live Tour was not really presenting a true threat. The attendance for their live events weren't great. The conditions of the courses where they're at weren't great. It's not like they were stealing ratings here from the PGA Tour. Oh, and the other reason why it stunned so many people <laughs> is that no one knew about it. The actual PGA Tour players found out when media reached out to them or if they were on Twitter yesterday. After getting so many guys to stand up and to stand for the shield of the PGA Tour, Monahan was like, what's up? <laughs> I'm not even going to tell him. He had a meeting with the golfers yesterday at the tournament in Canada in the afternoon, which went really well. People called him a hypocrite to his face and are calling for him to lose his job. Actual golfers. So that's some yumminess that will be devoured in the weeks and months to come. One PGA Tour player reached by ESPN on Tuesday said, no way. Had no idea. Had no idea that this was going down. No one knew. Roy McIlroy didn't know. No one knew. This was a behind-the-scenes deal that was orchestrated. The circuits and the parties have signed an agreement that combines PIF's golf-related commercial businesses and rights, including the Live Golf Tour, with the commercial businesses and rights of the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour in a new collectively owned for-profit entity to ensure that all stakeholders benefit from a model that delivers maximum excitement and competition among the game's best players, end quote. D-Lo! <laughs> I 
I'll open up the microphone to you. That's pretty much the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, go. Yeah, I, look, I, I, um, I don't know if I've really ever been more surprised by a piece of sports news that dropped like in a day like this. I, really I thought don't. you were pranking me yesterday morning when this broke. I thought that that was like some fake burner. Account. Like, I thought the same thing when it was sent to me by a friend of mine, and um, <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, it, this is." This Cause, is real because uh, we have a running we have a group chat just from and it's mostly some of the high school guys that still kind of keep up with a lot of sports stuff and people have been pranked before and sent stuff in there. Oh and been God, like, Did yes. y'all see this and we and we always get a good kick out of whoever you know doesn't check their sources and now it's it's kind of more difficult these days with some verification processes that have changed on Twitter. But uh, all things considered, no, it, this is one of the more surprising pieces of sports information that I've ever learned about. And yeah, we actually reacted to this a little bit yesterday on footnotes when it broke. Um, uh, you know, and 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 Kevin hasn't kept as close an eye on this as as maybe as we you have. and I have. Um, right. But still, I think his his response was kind of the response of everybody. I don't, I don't really understand how you're able to do this from a PR perspective. Um, how you then, you know, uh, the commissioner and the, you know, for all the, th- and I'll say this too, for all the, you know, shortcomings of Roger Goodell, um, his players, I think a lot of players still trust him and have like a level of trust with him. You see that on draft night with the way that they embrace him and stuff like that. And those are newer guys in the league. But um, I don't know how you may – like my point there is it's an important part of a commissioner to have the trust of your players and the trust of those around you. Um, and not only the decision itself, but clearly now the approach that was taken, the fact that he didn't sit down, at least with the top player. You know, obviously he can't sit down with all 300 tour players and, and have this conversation, but – you know, to get in a room with the big guys, especially a guy like Rory McIlroy. And, you know, I don't know if we officially know if he knew or not, but we've heard that Tiger Woods didn't know. And basically every other big time tour players come out and said, yeah, I, I learned when everyone else did. Um, I don't know how you maintain a level of trust in a, in a relationship with those guys moving forward. Because, again, those guys were told multiple times, don't take the money, stay with the tour, be loyal to these guys, be loyal to us. You know, we don't want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And then they take the money uh, a couple of years later. It, it's it's shocking, you know. Look, long term, will this be good for the game of golf? I, I guess we'll find out. I've heard that take a couple of times. I I don't know. I mean, I you know, I, I've heard I, I've heard that take as well because at the end of the day, people just want to see the best golfers in the world play in the sure. same tournaments, right? So if you're a golf fan and you just care about the best golfers in the world competing against one another, then it's a good thing. But don't forget that not only did they come out hard against Liv because of the blood money with Saudi Arabia that everyone claimed, Monaghan himself used 9-11 families as part of the attack on Live a year ago. By the way, the 9-11 families united, they're not thrilled with this decision yesterday, and they came out hard against it. And they felt like they, they were used by Monaghan in a PR campaign against Liv. But, like, you sat there a year ago, a year ago, and sat there and cited 9-11. And now a year later, you're like, hey, man, we're bringing everyone together. It's good for the game. 
Well, you said that they, you know, felt used. I think everybody in this situation that's not the PGA Tour or the Live <laughs> Tour feels used here. I think. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes. I think the players feel very used. Um, and I mean, again, you're also talking now about a guy in Jay Monahan who has to face guys who turn down generation-changing amounts of money because they were going to back you and your tour. They stayed loyal to you. I mean, multiple guys. What, Tiger Woods was offered, what, three-quarters of a billion dollars? $800 million? Right? Like, right. Guys turned that down. Turned down know, $300, and, $200 million is what we're talking about for most of the guys that stayed. Yeah. And part of the reason was... Because you told them we're gonna we're gonna get through this, you know, in our tour we're gonna be. Yeah, I don't and know how you guys I don't know how like you move on like that. Lefty and Kepka and all those guys that left and DJ that got the big paydays. Yeah, they look like the winners of the day. I think. Well, not only do they get the huge paydays to leave the tour, and then they'll be able to go back to being part of the tour because they were very vague on that. Well. You know, there's there's certain protocols. I'm telling you because processes. here here here's the other part of this that I don't feel has been reported enough on. Okay, when we talk about the merger, Yasser Al Rumanan has been named the chairman of the newly created PGA Live Golf entity. He's the governor of Saudi's 620 billion dollar investment fund. He's also the chairman of oil giant Saudi. Armaco. He's also the chairman of EPL's Newcastle United. He's also a board member at U, uh, at Uber and SoftBank, and he's the right hand man to the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. I'm going to tell y'all right now. A spoiler alert coming. If you think that those guys that left to help create the Live Tour aren't going to be able to be easily folded back in. To the fold of whatever this new entity is going to be for 2024, you're fooling yourself because that's going to be taken care of. Whether they have to pay some sort of fine and the Saudi Arabians are going to be like, we got this, not to worry about it, we're taking care of you. That's going to happen. Like some people are holding out hope. Well, are the guys that left, are they going to be punished? But no, because they're creating a new entity. It's a brand new entity where everyone's going to be folded in together here. I think it's also worth mentioning what it sounds like also is that essentially the live tour, the way it exists right now is not going to exist anyway. Um, This year they'll finish out whatever schedule they have planned, but they all, yeah, there was even a a statement in there that they're going to decide how to incorporate team golf and things like that. Like they're going to take some of the ideas as well. That's which is so funny that they, they stood so firm against those. Now, do they do something with 54 holes or something with, no, but you probably, you probably have some sort of, non-points event that'll be 54 holes if i have to speculate something yeah. and you'll have some more team events like you're talking about on the tour they'll fold in a couple of tournaments and they'll relax some of the the, the stuff at, at there you know of course so many people you know started posting like the happy gilmore stuff that when roy McIlroy and all those guys are competing next year there's gonna be beach balls everywhere and they're gonna have to be yelled at and Everything like that because I saw live. some. Well, I saw some jokes on Twitter about a, a compromise about the shorts pants rule, where there'd be <laughs> one pants leg down yes, and yes. one short leg. But no, you know, and also, you know, I know we're about to come up on a timeout here, but um, I know it's not the most important thing in the world. But I do. I, one of the first thoughts I had is the is the future of the Zurich Classic in New Orleans. That's interesting because that was like the PGA Tours team event, but still f- staying away from lives 
format, now that they're going to incorporate some sort of team golf, I do wonder um, what that event looks like if that's one of the ones they use. And what's already- the option for these guys? Like, let's say the Zurich Classic wants to balk at this. Well, the PGA Tour has shown you that they'll pull tournaments. Well, no, yeah, whatever I mean, they what do, they'll how do, do the, whatever they want to do. How do the sponsors respond? How does uh, how does a lot of this look? There's a lot of questions to be answered, and uh, we'll, we'll Rory McIlroy, by the way, will be talking to the media today. That should be that should be see television. That should be interesting. And it 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 people shared this a lot on social media, and I, and I just loved it. For any of you that were Office fans. This is the Michael Scott Paper Company. This is exactly what happened on The Office when Michael Scott and two employees created the Michael Scott Paper Company and they weren't making money, and yet they had Dunder Mifflin buy them out. That's what it feels like because it wasn't as if there was all this, you know, Live Golf was being propped up by the fund. But it wasn't like they were getting a ton of advertising revenue. It wasn't like they were getting a lot of viewership. It, it, the, the Michael Scott Paper Company, this is what they did. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> Just all that. All that spewing, all that calling that tore out, all saying they will never be allowed back in. Da-da-da-da-da. We're going to do the right thing. We're standing by our guys, Rory and and JT and Speed. You go out there and you talk about our tour. You stand up for our tour because we got your back. And then a year later, because the Saudi Arabia fund is far more influential and has far more money than the PGA Tour does, Guess what? We have a merger now. Funny how that worked out. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Houston Astros. Take one on the chin yesterday. We'll talk about it next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to The Game's YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Kevin Galsman matched his career high by striking out 13 Houston Astros in seven innings of work last night in Toronto, while George Springer, Bo Bichette all homered as the Blue Jays beat the Strohs 5-1. Galsman gave up a leadoff home run to Dubon, and you're like, hey, Astros in business on his second pitch, but recovered to hold the Astros in check to win his third straight start. Houston had a season-high 19 hits in Monday's 11-4 victory over the Blue Jays. Gossman, who is the AL strikeout leader with 113, has struck out 10 or more, a major league leading six times this season. He also fanned 13 in an April 29th win over Seattle. Had a splitter working very, very well. Jeremy Pena, Alex Bregman, 
uh, each struck out three times against him yesterday. So this is a guy who has dominant stuff, strikeout pitcher, Astros sufferer loss. And this is a four-game series, so this could go either way. That's how that's going to work. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 2-2, if they do an even split here. But I really want to talk about the fact that you and Kevin Foote got a little testy on social media about this game and about the Piper. So let's go ahead and clear the air here. Let's let's go ahead and do that now. Because I, I had people giving me screenshots of the exchange between you and Foot, multiple people, by the way. Well, look, I'll go ahead and either right DM'd here. me or sent me screenshots in a text message form. So, can we clear the air here? I'm sure you'll have to do this on footnotes today as well. But let's go ahead and take care of this now. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, I uh, I actually got a text too um, from some people that said, "Are you fighting with Kevin Foot on Twitter?" I said. <laughs> Yes, I am. But also, I was like, you know, and the funny part about it is if people don't really know the dynamic, it probably doesn't seem all in good fun, but like it literally is all in good. I mean, we argue about this every day. So I, if people thought it was like actual animosity, <laughs> it's not. Um, it is fully joking, but it is funny, and he does have ridiculous ideas of how things work. So I, you know, sometimes I can't resist the urge to fight back against it. He lives in his own world. Yes. Right. Yes. He has his own language and his own ideas and his own theories, and yes. So it's all just uh, it's yes. all positive conversation. There we We're go. trying to grow the game. We're trying to unite like other leagues around here. <laughs> yes, I knew that you guys can't help it. It's just you guys giving each other a little hell there. But some people are like, dude, is, uh, is, is, is Dawson and Kevin, they're, they're okay? I'm like, they're, they're fine. They're fine. They're just, they're just giving each other a little mess. Hunter Brown, look. Three earned runs for the young man, six innings, struck out five, did walk three, gave up two home runs, threw 96 pitches. Not a terrible outing by him. Um, Montero giving up two runs late. Uh, you really would like to for that not to happen. Well, and Montero, I think it's more of a bigger issue at this point. I think Hunter Brown, look, he was fine. He got a, uh, a quality start by the by the metric that I think is quite outdated, but... Um, you know, because a four a four point five ERA isn't exactly great, right? But that's what a quality start accounts to, and that's what it is last night. Like three earned runs in six innings. But yeah, and to be fair, his ERA on the season is only is still only three point six nine. Yeah, and he's so. been really good. Now he's he's had some some a stretch here in the last month or so where he hasn't been nearly as dominant as he was in the first part of the season. But again, I mean, he gave the Astros a chance to win the game last night, and offensively they didn't play great. Um, and by the way, my, my argument about Kevin you know, with Kevin yesterday centered around the fact that um, the guy that the Astros scored so many runs off of the other day um, was actually sent down and removed from the roster <laughs> immediately afterwards, which Alec Manoa, I mean, you know, it's also that's a totally different issue. Alec Manoa was a Cy Young runner up last year, and now he clearly can't figure it out. He's got something wrong, whether it's physical or mental or, or some combination of both, whatever it may be. Um, and Kevin Gosman is, yeah, like right now a Cy Young candidate. So I said maybe that had something to do with the fact that you didn't score runs and not some mythical being that you created. But um, all that being said, I thought Hunter Brown was decent but not great, but that's fine. Kept you in the game. Um, and you face a really good pitcher. And I think Gosman's had an interesting career arc, too. I mean, a guy who you know people mm-hmm. around here will know from LSU and have probably followed his career a little bit. He's been all over the place. He's had a couple of great seasons like the one he's having right now. 
He's had a few really bad seasons mixed in as well. Um, but all things considered, has turned himself into a, a guy with plenty of longevity, plenty of reliability in, in the major leagues. And again, I mean, and by the way, he's not exactly a young pitcher. He's been in the league a while, and he's now 32 years old, but he's having a career year. And as of now, and that's part of that was part of my tweet last night, I mean, he's putting himself in, uh, in Cy Young consideration. So I don't think the Astros should be too, too upset about having a rough night against one of, uh, right now, Major League's premier pitchers. He also has a, a, a tremendous, tremendous head of hair. Yeah, and that's also changed throughout his career, right? I don't always, he didn't always go with the uh, with the long locks, but now he's going with it, and maybe that's giving him a little bit of extra. Giving him a little extra, extra a little power. extra bite on the breaking ball. <laughs> could be, could, could be. So, Strohs, unfortunately, fall 5-1. to one. They'll get a chance to get right back on track as this is a four-game set in Toronto. They'll play tonight. First pitch set for 6.07. We'll have the game for you right here on the game. You're home for Houston Astros baseball, so you got to make sure to tune into that tonight. we got to take a timeout, but when we return, how about some New Orleans Saints, OTAs? Michael Thomas got to the podium. Derek Carr got to the podium. They had some interesting things to say. We'll share that with you next right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's a blessing. Um, anytime I get to put on the Saints uniform and contribute it and put, you know, put on the 13, the black and gold, just to come out here and uh, be around the guys, the camaraderie, that's what I miss the most. Um, you know, just talking ball. Um, a lot of guys from my school here, it's just... It's just like, it's like, for me, it's the older version of just going to school, I guess, really, like, first day of school, that's kind of what it felt like, just being around the guys, the camaraderie, talking football with Derek, um, getting on the same page, uh, talking to the coaches, just game planning, just basically building that camaraderie to be able to build something special and chase something special and win a lot of games. Mike Thomas can't guard Mike. Can he stay healthy? Boy, if he can, there could be some special things going on down in New Orleans. That's the big what if, right? He's missed primarily the last three seasons. Gets the big contract, sets the NFL record book ablaze the following season, and then it's been injury, 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 not having surgeries, having surgeries, having surgeries too late, having to have surgeries again. It's been an ordeal. Let's just be real about this. It's been an absolute ordeal. But if he can be there, it changes the dynamic of this offense. And look, Saints fans, listen up. You're never going to see the Mike Thomas that you saw before he got injured again. Just... But if you can get, say, 75 to 80% of what Mike used to be, if you can get that guy, game changer. 
Um, I, I just wanted to go into this little Twitter thing I saw yesterday. Um, oh, Twitter because, thing? Yeah. Well, and not me and Kevin's Twitter thing, a different Twitter oh, thing. There was oh. multiple things going on at the same time on Twitter, um, as there is often. Uh, Nick Underhill, you know, does a great job covering the Saints. And, yes, he does. You know, people, of course, always, and it's this, and as, a, you know, people who understand it from the Saints' perspective, there's no issues, and we don't need to explain this. But the idea of, you know, Michael Thomas, the slant jokes and how many slants he runs and things like that. So, of course, people asked Nick if uh, Michael Thomas had run slants, and Nick responded, um, he did because he's legit better at it than anyone is at any other route when healthy. And then he also quote tweeted that and said, did did Steph Curry shoot any threes? Uh, Like essentially just making fun of the idea of people saying that he runs to me slants by saying he's legitimately the best slant runner that the NFL's maybe ever seen. And so, like asking, did Steph Curry take threes at practice? Of course, Michael Thomas ran some of those routes. Um, And, by the way, I would expand on that. And this isn't what Nick said. This is what I would say. Um, He might be one of the best short to intermediate route runners that the NFL's ever seen or has currently currently seeing. So, um, I do think that's always funny. And, look, when he is healthy and when he's right, there was never a doubt, and we saw it in that first game against uh, Atlanta last year. We had double-digit catches over 100 yards, and it was like, here we go. Um, of course, that's that like just horrifically bitter thing that happens to Saints fans a lot of times. We get teased with the ideas and the promise and the hope, and then it all comes crashing down when Mike Thomas subsequently gets injured and Jameis Winston stops playing well and he gets hurt as well, and then the season's in the tank. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about next year, and that's going to be uh, looking pretty solid. I think, look. Yeah, the other the other really good thing about this time around with Mike Thomas, this kind of version of things, is I think the expectations have been tempered and altered purposely by yes. the organization and by the fans. And now you're not expecting it, but you're just more hoping for it. And I think that's a much better place to be in as not only a fan base, but as the guys who are making the decisions that matter. Because, um, they, they again, they made a ton of other moves to help it out, and we saw that all offseason. One-year deal. Less expectations for him because he hasn't really played in three years. Whatever you get out of him is going to be lanyap, so to speak. So if they, he can be healthy, look, he was directly asked yesterday. Media folks down there that cover the Saints, they know what they're doing. What's this timetable for his return to back being back on the field? We're going for training camp. We're going to be ready for training camp first day one out there with the team, ready to go full speed, just like the old days and what everyone's used to. I will add at the end, I don't know if we're all used to that, but maybe for other players we're used to it, but it would be very nice to see it for Mike. And no, and I, look, I liked his attitude yesterday, and I liked kind of what the, the, the version of Mike I saw. I don't know if I was expecting that, too, because, you know, another thing, a lot of times when guys don't speak, and we've seen this with Zion plenty, uh, when guys don't speak and people start to put words into their mouth or create ideas around, you know, how they're feeling and things. Um, I think Mike didn't speak a lot at certain times, and then you want to assume what he would have said, right? But I thought it was really good for him to get out there and just kind of, yeah, the, the, the comments about being happy to be back and excited. And, like, it didn't sound either like a guy who was forced to get up there and say that, you know what I mean? It, to me, and I don't know him personally, it did, but it, it, sounded, seem, it sounded genuine. It didn't seem forced. He seemed relaxed. He seems happy, right? It, it, you're right. It, it, he, he appeared to be genuine yesterday now that's great I like where his mind's at I like where it's head his head is at so to speak and he is confident that he is going to be full go a hundred percent when training camp opens I love that even more if I'm a Saints fan I love that even more let's see if he can stay healthy now 
He's also going to have a new quarterback to throw. Who's that going to be? Well, that's going to be Mr. Derek Carr, former Oakland Las Vegas Raider, who was brought in this offseason. And Thomas was asked, what is it like, the conversations in particular early on with his new quarterback? Yeah, for sure, man. He wants to win, um, just like I want to win. He's just very disciplined. Um, he's on top of his stuff. He came here for a reason, like he says, even though he says it in the media, that's the same same type of like confidence I hear in his voice. He came here for a reason to win. You can hear that. You can feel the sense of urgency. Um, he loves ball. It's not hard working with him, and it's not hard like you know showing up and 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 just doing what he asks you to do. It's pretty much going to be a good thing on the other end if we execute. He tells me what to do. I tell him where I'm going to be, and we're on the same page. We can execute at a high level against anyone. Very matter of fact confident you can tell they've had some conversations now we knew that early on when Carr got signed that some of the first people he started having conversations with was Michael Thomas right so he understood like hey this is the guy and we know Carr also reached out to Drew Brees multiple times I'm sure Drew told him hey here's Mike's number go hit him up guy special if he can be healthy you're going to have a special guy to throw the ball to yeah, you know what I was reminded of, too? I got a memory from my uh, photo from my phone that kind of reminds you on those these days. A um, few years back, it was Drew Brees switch hitting and hitting tanks at uh, Tulane's Turchin Stadium in the celebrity softball game that I was at. Um, so that was like a nice reminder of, man, what used to be when Drew was quarterback <laughs> here. But, no, I think with Mike, too, yeah, if I was a quarterback, by the way, and I signed as a free agent, I think the first two phone calls I'd make would be the left tackle and the star receiver. And I think yep. Derek Carr pretty much did as much, right? And uh, I think, yeah, if Mike gets right, now, I think, look, I'll make this comparison. With Michael Thomas right now and the injuries and the health and the training camp and getting on the field and everything like that, for me right now, it's a lot like LSU's bullpen was down the stretch of the regular season. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like right now, but... It's really only going to matter when the time comes um, because we've seen that with Mike before. We've seen it look great. Oh, he's healthy. He's ready to go, and then he's not. And then we've also seen times where he wasn't healthy and we didn't know what was going to happen and he didn't play at all. So um, I'll wait until August to really get excited or concerned. Um, Either that's way. That's kind of where, I'll, where I am with it. I do like what I heard from him yesterday, right? And I think we can admit to that that <clears throat> it's good to, to hear that from him. And he – also further elaborated on what it's going to be like playing with Derek Carr as his quarterback. Oh, he's been amazing. Um, um, amazing. I can't wait to play with them and uh, just be out there and, and, and execute and create create something special with them, uh, a connection, you know. Just like the way he demands the huddle, um, the sense of urgency, um, just the way he handles himself is just he's a pro. Uh, he's great for these young guys to see uh, his demeanor. Uh, just everything, just watching him from when he gets in the building, kind of like how Drew was. You know, you can watch Drew from when he's watching film. You can learn from him when he's in the locker room. You can learn from him anywhere in the building. You can just learn something different from them that makes them how they are. And I respect him a lot. And uh, I'm always watching him and just talking football with him. He loves football. There's a level of respect between the two, which is key. Mike's had a tough go of it with the injuries, and his relationship with the Saints hasn't it has been murky at times. I think we can admit to that. So the fact that he sounds hopeful and there's a level of respect 
and it doesn't feel forced is a good sign. The chemistry is being built. Whether or not Mike can be healthy, I- I'm with you. I have to wait and see. Like we-, we have to get past week four of the season to know, okay, is this guy going to be healthy this year? I, I You know, w- just, one thing I also liked about what Mike said yesterday, we heard uh, the word urgency multiple times, and that's good because it's the offseason. Because last year we heard Dennis Allen talk about urgency, but it was about week 12 before <laughs> they had it, supposedly. So... June seven, June six, when he made these, I like that. We've already got urgency on the minds early this year. We're not going to let urgency sneak up on us in week nine when we're two and seven. We're going to be on top of it this year, oh, and that, I like that. That was that was not a great press conference moment by 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 uh, the man in charge of the New Orleans Saints last year. We had qu- uh, quite a bit of fun about that. <laughs> on this show in particular. Before my time here, but I heard the recaps of it. I heard Hannah got pretty upset about it herself. She was she did she rarely got fired up, man, but boy, she was pissed. She was like, now you're now there's a sense of urgency. Oh man. Yeah, it was not it was not ideal. It was not ideal first season for Dennis Allen. Foodie poll question of the week. We always have that on Wednesdays for you. What's the best non-fry side for a hamburger? You can't choose fries. We know hamburger and fries go hand in hand. But if you don't have fries, what are you going with? With your hamburger or your cheeseburger? Is it onion rings? Is it potato chips? Is it some baked beans? We see Peyton Manning talk about that in the commercials. Or do you go big or go home, D-Lo, with another burger? If you don't have fries, do you just double up the burger? So uh, I, I will give you know people also come at me or you depending on who they think made the poll question. This one wasn't me. I'll be honest. I'm a fries guy with my burger, and I'm not really a big fan of the other options. Uh, just when it comes to a burger, and I know look certain some places don't sell fries, and that's always a downer for me. How about some homemade potato chips? I'm not a big I'm not a big potato chip guy. I really am. That's I'm, why I'm you're not. so healthy. Well, I'm, fries aren't exactly healthier, so <laughs> I don't know if that really applies here. But no, I just like a really good French fry. Um, and now, if you're if you're an establishment that doesn't sell fries, but your burger's outstanding, then you can overcome it. And then we've seen that in a couple instances. But um, no, I just really like fries. And I mean, baked beans. That's more like a the only time I would, you know, have that is maybe if it's like a barbecue cookout type day. But it is barbecue season. Yeah, no, so that's that's in play, and I don't mind baked beans certainly. But if I've got my choice of of, of side, it's always going to be fries, and it's really always going to be fries. But you but you can't have fries here. Well, I yeah, but that's but what I'm upset about. Do you go with another burger? I mean, if the, if 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 the situation deems it necessary, um, then yeah. So you know, again, I'm trying to be a little healthier, so usually <laughs> usually the one yes. will cut it, but um. I do like the baked beans option, though, now that you're really getting into the, the semantics of it, and I need to it's choose summer. one. It's about to be summer. Yeah, no, and a little, you know, now I'll tell you this, a little, little brown sugar bacon baked beans is the way oh, I go. Oh, now it. we're talking. Now you we're get talking. that crisp, and it's got to be those crispy bits, too. You can't just have the, sometimes the, the canned ones will just have the soggy little pieces of bacon in there. That's can't not what that. I'm looking I want the crispy bits kind of mixed in, really incorporated. There we go. There we go. Right now, 55% of you say some onion rings. 27% say potato chips. 13% say another burger. That's how I voted. And 5% say baked beans. Keep those votes coming on the foodie poll question of the week. Already got a slew of comments. We'll make sure to share them throughout today's show. We got to take a timeout. When we return, a former McNeese baseball legend had himself a day.
We'll talk about that next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything. But you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lake Charles native and former McNeese star baseball player. He also played football there as well. One of the best Cowboys to ever come through. Jace Peterson had himself a heck of a night last night as he helped the A's beat the Pirates 11-2. And he homered twice, recorded five hits, and drove in five runs. Now, obviously, the A's are the Major League's worst team, 13-50. and 50, But they were able to break open the game behind Peterson's 500th hit in the Majors. An RBI single off of Pirates ace Mitch Keller that put Oakland ahead 3-2 in the sixth. And then Peterson gave Oakland a five-run lead with a two-run blast in the eighth and then added another two-run shot in the ninth inning. Peterson finished 5-for-5, five five, raising his batting average from 194 to 218, he had been struggling this year. But what a way to kind of turn things around there. Yeah. What a night for the former McNeese and Lake Charles native. Gets 500 career hits. And the first time in a game, tied a career high with five hits and also tied a career high with five RBIs he's the first A's player with five hits and two home runs in a game since Eric Chavez did it back in 2005 you know what the great news too for the Oakland A's is they're now with that win last night big one they're on pace to go 33 and 129 they are officially not on pace to join the 130 loss club anymore at least as it stands on June 7th man Peterson keeps playing like this they (laughs) they could be a fringe 40 win team boom Let's go. But shout out to Jace. Been a journeyman. We've had him on the show before. Out there grinding it. Great night for him. Helps his team win. Ties a career high for RBIs and hits in a game and gets to career hit number 500. So congrats to the Lake Charles native and the former Meanies Cowboy. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number two has arrived on this wonderful Wednesday edition of RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire Dawson Iserlo. Coming up half an hour from right now, 
Ron Higgins, the mad dog from Tiger Details, will join us. Talk LSU baseball as they gear up for the Super Regionals against Kentucky. I think that's how you should say it, right? Is that, is, is, aren't we required anytime we reference Kentucky to say Kentucky? I don't think so, no. No, we're not required. Have you ever seen Next of Kin? No. Patrick Swayze. Cop movie. And he gets one of his brothers to come in from the hills, the mountain country of Kentucky, to help him fight mob bosses. And he has played the brother by Liam Neeson. And he says, Kentucky, Kentucky. I haven't seen it. I'll have to check that out at some point. <laughs> this is how my brain works. I'm, I apologize. No, I'm, so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, man. We've had a great show so far. Talked a lot about. PGA Tour merging with the Live Tour and to create a new entity in the world of golf, which will essentially be run by the Saudis. So there you go. There's that. So much for all that finger pointing and ridicule and, you know, citing 9-11 families that Monaghan did a year ago. Nearly a year ago to the day, by the way. So much for all that. Now... <laughs> they are merging, and the players didn't even know. And Roy McIlroy, who serves on the council, by the way, didn't even know. Can't wait to hear from him today. I'm sure it'll be nothing but pleasant and positive about the merger that rocked the world of sports yesterday. In addition, the Houston Astros dropped a game against the Toronto Blue Jays. That series is now tied 1-1. Game three of that four-game set can be heard tonight, 607 first pitch, and you can listen to it right here on the game. And we also spent hour number one hearing some sound from Mike Thomas. That's right, can't guard Mike. He sounds focused, he sounds happy, he sounds ready to go, and he said he'll be ready to roll out day one of training camp. There you go. We also, because it's Wednesday, we have our foodie poll question of the week. It's always a lot of fun. Dawson loves it because he's like, hey, we always talk about stuff I usually don't eat or don't put in my body or don't go overboard doing. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I do eat all those things mentioned. But um, onion rings, by the way, I didn't address onion rings in my first response. Uh, definitely a fan, but I, I will say usually I, I, I don't like a t Like I like trying an onion ring here or there, but I don't ever eat the whole side onion ring. Like I'm not going to leave fries. You know what I mean? I'm going to finish the fries. Onion rings, I like to have one or two, but I'm not like a... I'm the same way. Like, yep. I, I'll never order my own side of onion rings. My yeah. wife loves onion rings. Yeah. So I'll just have one of hers. Oh, that's exactly... No, we're that's identical the on that. Yeah, that's I don't... I don't. When I have delicious potatoes... Now, if it's a cactus, you know, like uh, one of those, what do you have different call? Cactus blossoms or onion blossoms, whatever you call them at restaurants, I'll, I'll eat a lot of that. There that's, we go. I'm a fan of that. There we go. That's our foodie poll question of the week. What's the best non-fries side for a hamburger? Is it onion rings? Is it potato chips? Is it baked beans? Or is it go big or go home? Get yourself another burger. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, Jamie. We call him Jamie during the summer because he's off from school. He's no longer an educator, a molder of young minds. He's Mr. Green during the school year. During the summer, he's Jamie. Good morning, sir. How are you? 
Good morning, Mr. Third. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, bud. I'm doing great. So what, what do you do? What do you do with the, uh, the the burger, man? That's the summer. It's grilling season, right? You're out of school. What are you going with? If you can't go fries, Jamie, what do you do? Well, you know, I don't understand why they call them French fries when they're fried in grease. I'm sorry. Don't hang up. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no. So we have, a, we have a local eating establishment that you are familiar with. Matter of fact, that's where we first met. And uh, they have some great sides for burgers that are not fries, including uh, fried pickle chips. Oh yeah, fried mushrooms and tater tots. So I'm I'm gonna go with uh, fried pickle chips because those are just delightful with a burger. I do and, uh, love fried pickles. If you can't have any of that, get you some fruit. Get you some cantaloupe, some watermelon, whatever. You know, I- I'm sure Mr. Delo, being the health conscientious person he is, could uh, support that. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna chime in. I'm gonna let Dawson address you as well, Jamie, because what you just said about bringing fruit to the table for a hamburger was worse than the joke you made. So that's that's one. I can excuse the joke. I can't excuse bringing cantaloupe to the table because our guy Dawson even winced when you said it. He kind of looked and went, "What, Dawson? You can address Jamie directly here about what he just yeah, said." Yeah, no. I mean, look, I, I I'm all for having fruit in, in in the diet, and maybe after the burgers completed as a, as a nice little refreshing der- snack uh, or dessert um, type of thing. But uh, I don't know if I'm going to go bite a burger, bite a cantaloupe, back to bite a burger. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> oh, well, I just had to throw that in there, you know, have some good fun. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. I'm, uh, I'm going to go home and go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, have a great day, Jamie. Thank you for the phone call. <laughs> oh, that's a man that's enjoying not being in a classroom. Yeah, no, I would be too. <laughs> he's, he's, he is happy that summer break has arrived. I, I don't need I do I don't need fruit anywhere. I'm just look, there there's a time and place for everything, D Lo. You want you want to cleanse the palate a little bit afterwards. You got a little bit of a fruit tray there. And you want to make yourself feel better about eating a good, delicious, greasy burger with some fries or onion rings. That's fine. But I'm not doing the rotation here. If I got the no. burger on the plate, then I'm focused on eating the burger. Correct. I'm not messing around with side fruit items. Just not doing it. No. And I always thought it was funny, too. Um, like at, at fast food places, it'll be an option for the kids' meal or whatever, like a side of apple slices or something like that. I was like, I don't understand how people can eat a burger with a side of apple slices. Like, I, I can eat the apple slices maybe later, but... <laughs> I got you. Got to you. Got to keep the salty pattern going. Also, go with the chicken nuggets, fries, and then the apple slices are eight last. By the way, for, for right for, right, that, for right, the kiddos. Right, right. Well, and a lot of times you got to sub. You got to sub. You, you don't sub get the fries. Out. You don't get the. They don't give you both. So that's disappointing sometimes. But um, have you ever seen this situation where people put salt on watermelon or some sort of seasoning on it? I just <sighs> I can't. I've tried it once, and it no. was maybe the grossest thing I've ever had. There, there's also people that put sugar in their grits. Oh, wait, I'm on the sugar in the grits train. Yes. Oh, no. We're all in there. No, no, no. It's a different experience. I want my grits to be savory. I'm a savory grit guy. Well, and, I, and I'd say there's nothing wrong with that, but I would simply say that sugar grits, as opposed to putting salt and butter, is a completely different entity. Why don't you just have right? oatmeal, then? 
because it doesn't. It tastes better than oatmeal. Ooh, sugar grits is a is like a dessert or like a sweet breakfast item. Now people are like, oh, that's gross, but I think they're thinking of putting salt and butter and pepper and then putting sugar. No, you just replace all that with the sugar. It's a, it's it's delicious. But I mean, it's okay. We could be different. It's okay to to be different. That's right. Let's get to some of the results. Right now, 48% of you say onion rings, 36% say potato chips, 13% say another burger, 3% say baked beans. Ralph with a comment, even when fries are available, so always choose onion rings if they're an option, but only if they're hand-cut, homemade. The frozen ones are paw bon. If in onion rings, I answer, bon appetit. Ralph also says, just remember, whatever your choice, eat in moderation. Otherwise, you won't be able to eat at all the next day. This public service reminder brought to you by the Piper. Oh, oh he's no. inserted yep. the Piper into the... I've got another take on onion rings um, while we're here. I think fries can go with any real dipping sauce. Ketchup is perfectly appropriate, but also if you've got some sort of special sauce for that restaurant or establishment, that's fine as well. Onion rings, though, you got to have a really good kind of zesty sauce with the, that goes with the onion rings because I just don't like onion rings and ketchup that much. So that's also when I mentioned like the the big fried onions at you know the bigger chain restaurants yes. that have that kind of zesty sauce that goes with them. I think that's what makes them as well. So sometimes if they've got the right sauce, they become more of a player in this game. There we go. Hart says it's really hard, hard to beat a good quality O-ring. B-Rad says, I'm not a fan of onion rings, but traditionally that would be the answer. Personally, I like pickle spears on the side of mine. If not, then chips. Ton says, let's be real here. It depends on the burger joint. Onion rings are my go-to, but some places onion rings are as tasteless as wearing a ripped t-shirt and shorts to a wedding. That's a good comment. JPK, the OD, says, bacon and eggs, then put them on the burger. And John Paul Cajun Daddy says, fresh-made, homemade potato chips go great with a burger. I am a huge fan of homemade potato chips. But I do like the another burger as an answer also. The only thing better than a hamburger is two hamburgers, especially if it comes from Mel's. They are so good. I know what I'm having for lunch. Thanks. You're welcome. This is what we do. On Wednesdays, we help you make your choices for your lunch. It's what we do here on RP3 and Company. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Reynolds, to the show. Reynolds, good morning, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, good morning. Not too much. Beautiful day. It is. I'll tell you what. i tell you what. No one has brought up port call in New Orleans. That's, do you know what their side item is? No. A loaded baked potato. Oh, I do like a loaded baked potato, Reynolds. I, I, I first went there. I'm like, okay. The hamburgers are phenomenal. I'm thinking, baked potato? Really? Let me tell you, they're good. They are very good. So what's I'm writing this down. What's the name of this place? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm kind of scratching my head because Saturday uh, it was on Facebook and uh, that they said that the Live Tour was going to merge with the European Tour. I saw this Saturday on Facebook. And then I wake up Monday, I'm like, what the hell? I'm so confused right now. So, so at one point, you were saying human rights. Now you're sleeping with the enemy and you're a hypocrite? There you go. And then all these players on the PGA Tour who were sticking the bird at the Live Tour, then the powers that be say, well, you know, 
uh, I think you're kind of overreacting so we can be in bed with the enemy. You know, money speaks volumes. Whenever you're able to pay your players, you know, fist full of dollars with only playing three rounds and with only playing a third of the schedule as a PGA, I I just don't understand what, what just happened. And I would be concerned, and we haven't had a chance to talk about this, Ronald. I'm glad you brought it up. And here's the other part of this. You know, we talk about the merger, and obviously they're going to be running things this new entity. I would be worried if I were some of these, I don't want to say lesser, because I enjoy the Zurich Classic, and I enjoy the John Deere Classic, and I enjoy some of those tournaments. But if I'm those tournaments that are on the lower on the pecking order, I'd be a little bit worried that we're going to get pushed aside because they are going, this new entity is going to say, okay, we're going to play less tournaments and whatever it might be. Like, we don't know what's going to happen there yet, but if I'm those tournaments, I'm a little worried today. I am. To me, it's like like the the NCAA football, Merging with the USFL and the USFL, if they had all this money, would now rule. It's crazy. (laughs) You're not wrong, brother. You're not wrong. I appreciate the phone call, bud. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. You too. Have a blessed day. Look, and Reynolds' reaction there falls in line with a lot of people's reaction. They don't understand why this even had to happen. That Liv wasn't even really a threat. You made all those big public statements against the tour. You had all those guys come out and talk and represent the tour, and you did all of that. And now to do this, but what do we say all the time, Dawson? It's all about the money. It's all about money. The sport of golf I love, but there's a lot of greed in golf. (laughs) So as much as this was stunning news yesterday, If you follow golf, you understand golf. You understand how golf operates. It's not all that surprising. Once you think about it and you go, eh, that kind of par for the course, if you will. I'll see what I did there. Ah, ah, ah. Jamie inspired me. (laughs) We got to take a timeout. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer. But we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and company. I'm RP3, Raymond Parsh III. I'm joined by the D-Lo. I'm going to start doing that. Instead of just D-Lo, I'm calling him the D-Lo. It sounds fancier, doesn't it? It sounds more intimidating. Like It sounds like 
a, a, a wrestler's name. The D-Lo. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't, uh, uh, I don't know. Workshop that, maybe. How about we talk Super Regionals, bud? Yeah, let's get after it. Let's go. Uh, which ones do you like? Oh, I like them. I like so many of them. Can, but can we start off with Tennessee Southern Miss? That's going to be spicy. And um, so the NCAA did something that they don't do often. They did the right thing. Uh, and they awarded that. <laughs> they and they awarded the right that thing. Super Regional to Southern Miss. I saw a lot of people, you know, of course, this became a lot of going back and forth. Um, but I think when you take a look at it, Southern Miss, for one, was a lot closer to being a host team. And the, and the committee had recognized that already. Um, now then, there I don't know if you saw this, but there turned into a huge debate on Twitter about um, the ability to maintain and um, uphold uh, medium-sized chain restaurants within the cities themselves, um, and that became a big topic of discussion between Hattiesburg and Knoxville. Yes. I'm not sure really what that has to do with hosting a super regional baseball tournament, but that was brought into play. Um, the weather was discussed, but... Uh, on that accord, like, again, Baton Rouge, the weather looked pretty good for most of the week last week, and it was awful. So I don't know if you can make that decision based on weather, because if you tell Southern Miss, hey, we're not letting you host based on a forecast, and it never rains in Hattiesburg all weekend, I think it's going to be some pretty upset people. And so I, I don't think that's really the way to do this, especially also in a super regional situation. Unless you have, like, legit tropical storm-type weather coming in, you can find a way to get three games in over the course of, you know, what you really have a four- to five-day window here, right? Yes. So I don't know and if that's Southern a big Miss, issue. Look, some people, Kendall Rogers was one of the people that said, well, look, he was pretty much a coin flip. Southern Miss was nearly a regional host, more so than Tennessee was. Right. So that's what it boiled down to, right? Yes. So it boiled down to Southern Miss being able to host. Now, the Golden Eagles obviously are repping the Sun Belt, the only Sun Belt team left. Remember last year they came off a great season where they hosted a regional there in Hattiesburg, beat LSU to win it then hosted the Supers, and they faced off against in-state rival Ole Miss. As we know, the Rebels won that Super Regional Series to punch their ticket to Omaha, and they would go on to win the entire thing, the enchilada, if you will, the national championship. So for Southern Miss, they get a chance to redeem themselves from losing a Super Regional at home a year ago, Dawson. For Tennessee, it's also redemption, right? This is a team that was the number one ranked team in the country last year. Won the regular season SEC title, the SEC tournament a year ago, and then they were upset by Notre Dame and didn't get to Omaha. So both teams came so close to getting to Omaha last year, had disappointments in the Super Regional round, and here they are facing off with a chance at redemption and a chance of punching their tickets to Omaha. Yeah, and, and when you look at the on-field matchup here, uh, that's where I think it gets interesting. I would give Southern Miss the advantage in the starting pitching department. Now, Tanner Hall threw in that game on Monday, that winner-take-all regional. He did not throw the whole game, but he threw in that game. Um, so he's not going to be on normal rest, so to speak, uh, no matter now. Do they, do they decide to throw him a, a, a day later than they would have previously? I'm not exactly sure how you do that if you're, if you're you know, Southern Miss and – by the way, let's not forget the Golden Eagles have an extra storyline because their head coach is hanging it up at the end of the year, and he's it's a farewell uh, you tour. Know, Scott Berry's a legendary figure in that program, um, so this is certainly a bigger deal, and those guys are playing for him as well as themselves. So um, I think that comes into play here. Tennessee's got the better bullpen, I think, without a doubt. 
Um, they've got a lot of guys back there, and it's interesting, too, how, for whatever reason, it hasn't necessarily translated to their starters having as much success. I think part of that's, you know, the grind that is the SEC, so I think that plays into it a little bit. But um, overall, they're going to need to, to, to kind of have their advantages where they have them. The other thing that's interesting is this, another, this is another series that starts on Saturday. So with Game 1 being a day later, I think that helps Southern Miss with what they had to go through, right, throwing Tanner Hall on, you know, Mondays in Monday's game. And it gives them the opportunity to start him on Saturday if they want because I don't think it would be really like, you know, stretching his rest or, or trying to bring him back too early in that situation. Um, and that's relevant because I think if this game was on Friday, you'd kind of take that into consideration and maybe you pitch backwards and you go you with your number two on Friday and, and, and Tanner on Saturday. You don't have to worry about that now. But I think it's a fascinating matchup, and I really like it. And another one that I'm really, really intrigued in is Indiana State and TCU. Um, I think the Horned Frogs are the Ole Miss of this season if you're going to have one. Like, they are so hot right now. They are swinging the bats better than anybody in the country is at this moment. Um, You know, they're going to have a lot of momentum, and they're getting an unexpected host situation. So that also adds a layer to it. Indiana State, you know, great, great season for them. One of the best in its program's history, if not their best ever. Um, You know, the buzz uh, on that campus must be similar to when Larry Bird was a Sycamore. And... Taking it back to the late 70s. Right. And going through that, though, they now have this interesting mentality where they were deserving of being a super regional host, but a variety of factors, which we discussed yesterday, has led to them having to be on the road. So now they get to kind of go back to being the underdogs if they want to, right? Take that mentality. Oh, we're on the road, even though we necessarily shouldn't have been, and we're playing a red hot TCU team. We're just a little team uh, in Indiana State that not a lot of people uh, follow closely. So. Do they take that mentality? But at the end of the day, I, how do you cool down those TCU bats? I don't know if Indiana State's got enough pitching to do oh, so. I, I worry about the Sycamores. You know, I'm familiar with Indiana State. I went to high school literally like 30 minutes west of there in central Illinois. So I spent a lot of time in Terre Haute. Small school, not a very large metropolitan area. And you kind of want to root for them a little bit because of the fact that they can't host the Supers due to the the conflict with the Special Olympics that they're hosting. And it'd be a great story to see a small school get there. But TCU has been on a monstrous run in the Big 12 tournament and then in the regionals. So, you know, Indiana State's going to have to have TCU have a cold night. Right, That's the only way that this is going to happen. They're going to have to have one of those inexplicable nights where nothing goes TCU's way at the dish. Well, they could outscore them. I think that's an option. Uh, my, I, just don't, I don't think you hold that lineup unless you get an outstanding pitching performance. I don't know if you need like heroic performances because Indiana State is really good. Let's not forget that. Um, but yes, either you have to find some pitching from some guys you're not expecting it, or you got to outscore them. Now, Indiana State came from behind in two of their three games. It might have been all three. They might have had an early deficit in the third as well. Um, so they that's the other thing, too. When Indiana State hosted that regional, we said that it's going to be tough for them. They've got UNC and Iowa that are two pretty good teams. Wright State's not a bad four seed. Mm-hmm. And when they went down pretty significantly early to Wright State, you thought, and I thought, moment might be a little too big here. Like, they're hosting. This came out of nowhere this year. Maybe they're not ready for it, and they responded incredibly well. So, you know, you wonder maybe they're not a team that's going to be intimidated by the moment because they weren't. They had some opportunities to, I don't want to say fold, but they had some opportunities to fall down in that regional, and they ended up going 3-0. and They never even dropped the game. So, all that being said, it still will take some special stuff because of how red-hot TCU is, and 
you know, you would imagine in these situations, typically TCU is going to be the more talented team based on, you know, recruiting history. Now, I don't know if that's exactly the case this year, but um, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But I do like this the storylines and scenarios within the now uh, what's going to be the Fort Worth Super Regional, I guess. So Tennessee Southern Miss ultimately fascinating their Hattiesburg Super Regional, the Fort Worth Super Regional between TCU and Indiana State's another one. So we're going to break down all of the Super Regional matchups, all eight of them, as we progress through this week, including, obviously, LSU and Kentucky here on RP3 and Company the remainder of the week. Speaking of LSU and Kentucky, we'll talk about that next as well. Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog from Tiger Details, joins us live right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LSU Tigers take care of business at the Baton Rouge Regional, have to navigate through weather in Oregon State's bats, but the pitching was good enough to get the job done, and they win the Regional, and now they will host the Kentucky Wildcats, who are making only their second appearance in a Super Regional and program history. LSU-Kentucky will get things started on Saturday, Game one of the Baton Rouge Super Regional. First pitch is set for 2 o'clock. Of course, you can listen to that game right here on the game. To help preview that matchup and recap the weekend that was is the award-winning columnist reporter from Tiger Details, our good friend, the Mad Dog himself, Ron Higgins. Ron, good morning, brother. How are you? I'm good, Ramon. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, bud. I'm doing great. So give me your thoughts on how... The Tigers were able to navigate their own regional and to punch their ticket to the Supers. I think they really got really good starting pitching every day. I think that really helped them. Uh, it just uh, it, it got them off to really good starts in games and didn't have to use a, a lot of relievers. And the relievers all pitched pretty well. I mean, uh, the gutsiest performance was on Sunday with, with Griffin Herring. I think mean, he went five innings and struck out 12. You have some homers that homers kind of battled through it. Uh, had a big curveball working and, and kind of got him across the finish line to win that game 6-5. That was huge. Uh, at first, Oregon State to play three games in 24 hours, and they were worn out by the time they got to LSU on Monday. And LSU just wore their pitching out with 19 hits and four more homers. Uh, LSU had nine homers in two days. Uh, I feel like almost everybody in this lineup hit the ball pretty well, except for a couple of people. Uh uh, Tommy White didn't have a good series. Uh, he was three of thirteen. Um, so you know he'll he'll be due against Kentucky. He had a really good series against Kentucky when they played Kentucky here. He, he was here. He was six of thirteen, but he against Kentucky when he played before. But he had three three doubles and a home run and drove in six runs. So he played well against Kentucky before. Trey Morgan had an outstanding fielding series and the plate. He was three of fourteen. Um, so he's due, but God, some other guys. Dylan Cruz is just an absolute madman in the 
in the in the SEC term. I mean, the NCAA tournament. Uh, in 15 NCAA tournament games, Dylan Cruz is batting 485. <laughs> 17 RBI, 20 runs, seven home runs. Uh, he comes to play these. He comes to play every day, but in the NCA, he takes it up to another level. Um, he had a great series. Travinsky was good, but you know. Uh, they finally got some guys on base Sunday and drove them in. Uh, Saturday uh, left a lot of guys on base, and but they, you know, they got their they got you know five home runs uh, all in a row, really kind of I mean, as far as when they got scored runs. And, uh, so again, it was a good weekend. The pitching held up, and that's the bit, you know we we said going in, pitching was going to be a key for this team, um, and quite frankly, I mean. Jay Johnson shocked all of us by starting schemes in, in the opener, but it paid off. He had a plan in mind. He 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 took you know pending weather into consideration when he was making that, and uh, set up the pitching staff for the rest of the you know rest of the regional, and, and it worked. You know, it was a I know it wasn't a risk to him, but to most of us, we thought, gee, what's he doing? Man, throwing schemes is too lame, but it, it worked out. You know, the other thing that stood out to me about the weekend, besides the pitching, and look, Thatcher Hurd pitched well. Even though he, he gave up four runs on seven hits, he still pitched well. And they got good quality spots from all their guys, right? Cooper as well. Yeah. He pitched good enough for them. And we've been talking about that for about a month or so, is that if they can just get these other guys, look, you know what you're going to get from Skeens. Ty is going to be solid as well. He's a good number two. But when it comes to everybody else, they just need these guys to be average. And if they yeah. can be average, this team has enough talent to win a national title. And you started to see the bullpen in particular make some strides towards the end of the season at the SEC tournament. And you saw it again here. Do you have confidence now, Mad Dog, that the bullpen in particular, the relief pitching, is good enough for them to be able to win a title? I'm not there yet. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not there yet. The, the, the bullpen's still giving up runs. I mean, Hurd gave up four runs. But again, he struck out 12 and, and struck out guys when he had to. But he was he pitched out of trouble a lot. Uh, the guys they brought in, you know, Hurd, Gidry twice, Ackenhausen, uh, Griffin Herring, which was a surprise. Uh, they all pitched good, but you really got to almost pitch flawless to win a national championship, and you get you get the big the, the big show. Uh, so they they got to bear down a little bit more, not you know not give up as many runs. Uh, you really you've got to be pretty flawless when you get in, in the World Series, and and your your starting pitching has to be uh, as good. Uh, you know, uh, pleasantly surprised by Riley Cooper, uh, but I mean, it's, it's it's no secret like why Jay Johnson likes to go with him. But he's he's now appeared in fifty one games over two years with LSU, much more than any other LSU pitcher. And he and he had five games of NCAA experience, uh, three really good games in Arizona, and two really bad games at LSU before this past weekend. Uh, so he liked going with the guy who'd been in that that atmosphere. So he. Uh, and you look at LSU, uh, you know, who didn't pitch. Damon Coleman didn't pitch, uh, and I feel like he'll he'll help him a lot too. But I think that 
I think if they would have went to another game, Javon Coleman would have been their starter. If they had to play an additional game, I think he was saving for that, that, that you know that, that one more game that they had to play one. So I think Coleman is, is, is their is their fourth starter in this deal. Uh, I thought he could have started maybe you know Monday's game, but he went with Cooper. But as far as who's left, as far as arms and as relievers, you know, you know, as far as anybody you really trust. Uh, wow, I mean, it's uh, Bryce Collins, and uh, that's the short list right there. Uh, <laughs> there's nobody on staff. I mean, any bias you put out there, I mean. You don't know if they they can get go for more than an inning. I, I don't know if Blake Money is good for more than an inning. I mean, you know, Blake Money usually gets batted around pretty good. Uh, so, you know, again, Ty, uh, you know, Ty Floyd settled in as a starter, but you know, Ty Floyd is giving up eleven home runs this year, and seven of them been, have been in the first three innings. Uh, so, you know. He has an MO of like giving up something early and then settling in. So all these pitchers have their little, uh, have all these little patterns of how they pitched. Uh, you pretty much know them by now. And it's just, uh, I'm sure other teams do, but again, that LSU's got to come out and get good starting pitching. I think really helps them. Uh, and they can put, got to hit the ball people on base. Uh, they, you know, until Sunday, they really hadn't, I mean, Monday, they really hadn't done that. Uh, I mean, they were batting like 180 something the last, since the Arkansas game and the uh, SEC tournament with, with runners in scoring position. So, uh, and again, I mean, Kentucky, will, you know, they score. Uh, but Kentucky's a strange team. They really are. I mean, uh, they they won four SEC series this year, but three of them were the first three were series of the year. And they only won one SEC series the rest of the year. Uh, they hit the ball well. They got, you know, they got a, Clean up pillar, Amelia uh, Petrie, who batted 483 against LSU the first time around. They got guys who could hit the ball. So, but LSU going to have to come out. And it, I thought LSU really had a, had a really complete weekend last week. I thought it was their probably most complete weekend we've seen as far as every every phase playing, you know, pretty good. Uh, so they got to repeat that. And oh. honestly, this thing stood up for them to go to Omaha. This thing was set up the moment they announced the regional pairing. It was, they, I mean, it was set up for them to go to Omaha, probably more than any other regional. Uh, and so it's, now it's time for them to come through. Well, Ron, with the Kentucky matchup, how do you, how much do you think the first time these teams played in a three-game set plays into this, or uh, it was that long enough ago where it's kind of forgotten by now? No, I think that everybody kind of knows each other. I, I know this. I mean, looking looking at the the, the who they're, they've been pitching in the last three or four weeks. It, it, it resembles nothing to what they had earlier in the year. I mean, uh, their best three pitchers. I mean, they've been using Travis Smith as their, uh, their first game starter, exactly. The second game starter, Austin Strickland. And I mean, honestly, those guys. I mean, early in the year, those guys were not in those slots, and some of them weren't even in those slots. So the pitching's a bit different. Uh, their their batting order is almost virtually the same as it was earlier in the year. Uh, with a couple of exceptions, so uh, I think these teams know each other, uh, and they're probably that's uh, that's why it'll make for a good series. But 
again, LSU, I, I just think I think it helps that they've uh, they're at home. It helps that some of these guys have you know have been super regionals. You know, uh, uh, Dylan Cruz. Uh, I mean, all all the all the juniors have been in, in a super regional. But I mean, from the from 2021 uh, when they played in Knoxville, so they've been in super regionals. They have that experience, uh, and this is Kentucky's second super regional ever, and it's against a crowd. Uh, in a place where it'll be double the size they had for their regional crowd on, on uh, this past weekend in Lexington. When they set a record for attendance in Kentucky, and it's like half the stadium of LSU. So uh, it'll be wild. It'll be loud. Uh, and let's hope for no weather delays. You know? uh, it's a challenge to kill three and a half hours in the press box, but you kind of sit there and watch other games and do, you know, the research on stats. So let's, let's not have that this time. Hopefully Saturday when you and I meet up yet again, there in the press box at the box, brother, it's going to be sunshine and plenty of great weather for a super regional series. My friend, let's hope for that. Um, yeah, we'll have to do the, the anti rain dance, you know, just, just, please, no, no rain, no lightning. Hey, look, Monday almost happened again, man. They announced like about 20 minutes from a game time. Lightning has been detected 10 miles away from the stadium, uh, but it's not within eight miles radius, you know, so we'll keep our eye on it. Everybody's like, oh, God, no, no, not again, no. And then, and then, uh, like, what, an hour after the game was wrapped up, it started raining. <laughs> oh, my God, like, oh, yeah, I mean, you, can, you can see it coming in. The whole game, really, I mean, the, 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 the only, you know, suspense that that game when it was, can they get this thing finished before it starts lighting again and raining? Because you could see it was getting more cloud, cloudier and cloudier and cloudier. Like, oh, man, come on. Let's finish this game. But, yeah, about an hour after, uh, you know, we're all in the press tent riding, and we all realized we really need to get out of here because it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow us all away in about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, and uh, it did. So, yeah, let's have a nice weekend this week uh, weekend. And, See if we get the LSU to Omaha, and uh, I know the people of Omaha are pulling for it because uh, uh, it really helps their economy when LSU shows up. Yes, uh, a lot. Yes, that it does, brother. Appreciate your time, Mad Dog. I'll see you Saturday, bud. All right, see you. This is RP3 and Company on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Let's go. Poll question of the day. It's the foodie poll question of the week. It's what we do on every Wednesday edition here of RP3 and Company. 
If you can't choose fries, fries are not an option. What's your go-to side for a burger? Hamburger or cheeseburger or turkey burger. Doesn't matter, just burger. What's your best non-fries side for a hamburger? 52% of you say onion rings, but many of you are putting out the disclaimer they have to be homemade. Can't have none of that overly breaded, frozen, pawbone stuff. No, no. None of that. None of that will be none of that. 33% of you say potato chips. That's your go-to. 9% of you say, hey, let's go big or go home. Get another burger. And 6% of you say, let's get saucy with it. Some baked beans. Is it okay to get sa- for me to say get saucy with it, Dawson? No. That is not, that's not, that's not allowed. All right, understood. Sorry. Steven on Twitter says, house-made chips. I do like some good, fresh house-made chips. Who dat forever? A burger without fries is like a politician doing something beneficial for the people. They just don't work that way. I don't like onion rings, but I guess they're a serviceable substitute. Judice is not having fries is probably the reason I've never eaten there. I do like a good Judice Inn burger, though. I do like it. You got to try it, Who dat forever. My man, Matthew Bonnet, coming in from the top rope in the Lake Chuck, says, how about some fried okra? Johnette, Delta Media leader, says, beer-battered onion rings. Ooh, those are some game changers there. Some game changers. Keep those votes coming on the foodie poll question of the week. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter. We'll share them throughout the remainder of today's show. Two hours in the books. How are we going to top it? How about we kick off hour number three with Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That's next right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Our number three has arrived. Coming up half an hour from right now, Fletcher Mackel from WDSU will join us to talk New Orleans Saints OTAs, get his thoughts on what Michael Thomas, Derek Carr, and Dennis Allen had to say during their media session yesterday. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. It's always our foodie poll question of the week on Wednesdays. What's your go-to side if you can't have fries with your burger? Is it onion rings? Oh, that's a good choice. Potato chips, baked beans. It is grilling season. Or maybe you go big and say, hey, I'll take another burger, please. So go vote on that. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now it's time for us to talk Louisiana Raging Cajuns with our guy, Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you today, my friend? I am terrific, and um, you know, just for uh, disclosure, I have been known to sit and eat two double whoppers. <laughs> uh, 
I I laugh because I I have done the same. So <laughs> I, I I fully I fully can appreciate your comment, brother. All right, things obviously end in disappointing fashion. The the team was disappointed by not being able to win the Coral Gables Regional, but I thought they played exceptionally well, especially defensively. Uh, for me, Jay, my big takeaways is that they just ran into a couple teams that were that were just better than them on that day, and that's what it boils down to, and that's just a baseball thing. Give me your big takeaways from the regional. Gee, don't tell me we're agreeing on something. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I, I thought – Overall, they played very well. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't lose the first game. They got beat. Texas made a couple of ridiculously good defensive plays, which kept them from winning the game, and hats off to them. Um, you know, when you start trying to fight your way back after a loss, you know, you see a lot of lopsided scores sometimes. Um, Miami's a really, really good hitting ball club. And, you know, you're, you're one base hit away from bring, bringing the tying run to the plate in the ninth inning. So, you know, what you, what you want to do in a regional, if you're not going to win it, is tell yourself that, you know what, we had a chance in our last at bat, and, and the Cajuns did. So, you know, sometimes you just don't win. I thought overall they played really well. I, I thought the, the, the pitching was good enough. Uh, it wasn't great a lot of times, but it was good enough if they'd have gone ahead and gotten a couple of more clutch hits, you know, you if you're the Cajuns, you're probably not going to win a, a lot of four to two games in a regional. You know, you, you're, you're going to win six to five games, uh, win like that. And, you know, I thought overall they played well, you know, they just didn't win. Uh, and I think it, it brings to a close, um, you know, what I thought was, this was as gratifying a year as we've had in a while, to be honest with you, Ray. Um, to, to get in as an at-large team, I think, is a big step uh, toward getting back to where you want to be. And, uh, and then to go and equate yourself well in what was a very difficult regional. Uh, you know, hey, hats off to them. You know, it feels like now – that this is fully Matt Deggs' team. And I, you and I talked about this last year where it kind of became his team, right? And it was no longer him coaching Tony Robichaud's program. It became his program. And I think this season was just another kind of step in that evolution of this is his team with his guys. They play the way that he wants to play. Do you feel the same way that this is now fully Matt Deggs' program? I don't know if Matt Deggs ever loved a team like he loved this one. Um, he had he had exactly what he wanted. He had a bunch of guys who were all on the same page, who loved each other, who uh, who loved their coaches, who loved the game, and went out and gave everything they had every day. And they they took coaching well, and. Um, no, this this was as much Mag, Matt Deggs' team as any team he's ever had, and I'll include the days at Sam Houston. Um, he loved this team an awful lot, and he was very emotional after it all ended. Um, it, you know, I said in my sign-off that I've now covered 93 Cajun teams. 
uh, football, basketball, baseball in 31 years. I've never seen a group so together with so much chemistry um, and, and, and the, really the best bunch of guys uh, as far as you know, their character, uh, their love for one another. I've, it, it's, it's the best I've ever seen in, in the 31 years that I've done this. And honestly, that's why the end was kind of a little bit tough for me, too. And, and normally, it, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed for a day, but then, you know, you, you go on. But um, I think it's going to take me a while to get over this because I, I really hate that this is the end for that particular group because, man, they were fun to cover. And they were some great young men. Well, Jay, what about the the senior class that largely contributed to some of the things you're mentioning? A few of those guys were here for a long time. Some of them were transfers that came in, but it felt like they all kind of had their piece on the roster. So uh, what are your departing thoughts for some of those guys who uh, have played their last game for the Cajuns? Well, you know, I, I watched a couple of guys really grow up this past year. And I'm going to start with Cooper Rawls. Okay, Cooper didn't pitch very much his junior year. And, you know, he went out, he, he worked, he made some adjustments. And I think Cooper is one of those guys who by the time of last fall came, he had completely and totally bought in to what Matt Deggs wanted for this program. And he wound up being one of the leaders on this team. And I noticed when Matt was going around in the dugout, hugging, hugging the guys when it was all over with Cooper Rawls got the longest hug. And I think that says something. Um, you know, he had he had a very very solid uh, senior year. You know, Jay Cammon didn't get to, to pitch anymore down the stretch. But let me tell you something: that guy's going to go to law school, and he's going to be a successful lawyer um, because he's just he's just a guy that's got the right intensity and at the same time the right compassion. Um, he's a he's a top notch moral kid. And the and the other you know the seniors that were uh, out there playing uh, every day you know Heath Hood's going to be a senior draft he's going to sign with somebody and get an opportunity somewhere. C.J. Willis is again uh, one of those guys that was a great teammate. Uh, Max Marshak was he was the guy that surprised us all at the um, uh, at the final Diamond Club meeting when he got up and talked what coming to Louisiana meant for him and talked about a rebirth. And I'm not sure that that kid's going to leave Lafayette. I mean, he, he just loved it here so much. And, and I'm, you know, not mentioning a couple of guys, but you know, it, it was a group with some great leadership skills. And because of that, uh, this team had the chemistry that it did, you know, Will Vayon didn't play the last couple of games, but Will Vayon's probably their most vocal leader. So I'm, I'm, um, they're going to miss those guys. They're going to miss their ball-playing uh, ability. But they're going to miss uh, their leadership also. And then, of course, you know, you know you're going to lose two guys to the draft, and Julian Brock and Carson Rockford, because both of them are going to go in the top ten rounds. And, and now, because of, their, because of their performance down the stretch, you know, we, we need to keep an eye on a couple of guys like Connor Higgs and Jackson Nessu. Because um, they got a lot of attention down in Miami from the scouts. Well, that's where I was going to kind of go next. I, uh, you know, there's certainly the, uh, I guess, a little bit of the uncertainty, but probably moving in the direction of losing those guys you mentioned in Rockefort, uh and Brock. But where does this program kind of go? You still have potentially, you know, again, not assuming anybody comes back in today's day and age, but DeBarge is an anchor and a leader. 
Um, so where does Matt Deggs go beyond that to try and kind of uh, replenish this roster in the offseason? Let's, let's assume for a moment, okay, that Connor Higgs winds up staying. Okay, let's assume that for just a moment. If you didn't recruit one more player, you'd have experience everywhere except behind the plate next year. You'd have Zambo at first, Taylor and DeBarge. You'd have Amade or Lejeune uh, at third with Higgs, Stelly, and Juhas. Now, that would be a pretty good team before you recruited anybody. Now, they have, from what I understand, they've recruited very well. As a matter of fact, they're going to be keeping an eye on the draft, not only for Higgs and Nezu, but also for several of the guys that that they've signed. So it's a very good recruiting class. But even if not all of those guys wind up coming, you still are going to have a pretty good club, a good nucleus of players to work with. Uh, for next year, even if you didn't recruit anybody. So I think they're going to be fine. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company as we put a bow on the season. Look, they're going to lose some guys. We know that. That's a sign of a great program, right, Jay, when you have to deal with the issue of losing guys to the Major League Baseball amateur draft. The other big thing now, though, is not only do you have to lose guys to the Major League Baseball amateur draft, you also have to deal with the fact that, hey, we live in the era of the NCAA transfer portal. That said, I don't get a vibe from this team in this program that that's going to be a big issue for Matt Deggs. Do you agree with that? Yes. Um, You know, Matt Deggs is a different kind of guy. And these players are different kinds of players. You know, the the word uncommon was used with this team a lot this year. And, look, if there are guys that go to the portal, it's going to be simply because they'd like to get more playing time and perhaps they they see the writing on the wall that they're not going to get it here. Uh, You may see guys go to the portal because of that. But, um, no, this is – this is a team. I, re- I remember last year. Everybody was wondering would, would DeBarge transfer out to a to a big time school, and we all kind of laughed uh, because not too many people. Of course, if you don't know Kyle DeBarge and his family, then you would say that. But you know, there was never a chance of Kyle DeBarge leaving. I mean, he loves it. His family loves it. Uh, it's not always about the grass being greener, and I think a lot of these guys understand that. So I'm really not concerned about the portal as it pertains to guys who I think are going to contribute to this team next year. Jay, thank you for your time, as always, throughout the athletic year. Um, What's your big plans for the summer in between now and Sunbelt Conference football media days in New Orleans in July, brother? Well, you know, I've got – I got a couple of uh, things from a medical standpoint that I've got to get tested on, and assuming assuming everything goes okay there, I've got uh, I've got friends in various cities that are bugging me to go visit, uh, and I may go ahead and do that during the month of June. July is going to be busy because of the media days. I got a family reunion scheduled, and then when August comes, it's time to get uh, ready. So, if, if I do anything, it's going to be over the next I don't know five six weeks or so. Um, but I'm, uh, I'll go to the office less. I'll work a little less. And at the same time, I'm, 
I'm always preparing for the next sport. So I'll start uh, preparing for football. Uh, well, by the time media days comes, that'll give me about six weeks before the season starts. Well, Jay, good luck with everything, brother. Thank you again for your time, and we'll talk to you later, my bud. I'll look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I am your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one. Raymond Parts Third, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside these Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo, a.k.a. D-Lo, a.k.a. the son of Iceman, a.k.a. Two Degrees, a.k.a. a man who adores the NCAA regionals. Good news for you, bud. I got some good news. I don't know if you saw this. I think I did, but I'm going to wait for you to confirm my uh, suspicions. Oh, it was what we call... A ratings bonanza regional weekend was. I do believe I saw the the tweet because that's how we get our information these days. We are all on the Twitters. That it was the most watched NCAA regionals for baseball on ESPN platforms in more than 10 years. Yeah, which makes me think like what we were really locked in in 2011 or so. Um, I'm surprised it even is just the 10 year caveat there. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was great, and it all it also now is it's it's more and less accessible at the same time. It's more so in that every game is on, but it's less so in that um, it's on ESPN Plus as opposed to being you know on your tradition, traditional cable. Although there are of course the bigger games mixed in there as well. Correct. Um, correct, but. It did seem like there was a lot of buzz, a lot of energy about this year's NCAA regionals. We had a lot of good stories, right? And had a lot of great teams. Yeah, and a lot of great parody as well, which I think is kind of the, the the three keys you need. You need actually, it's funny too, in the NCAA tournament, this gets joked about a lot. Like you need the name brands on one end to kind of carry the load of, of the casual you know, person who doesn't know specifically what's going on. Um, but then you also need the Cinderella stories. You need a couple of teams that nobody's, you know, uh, attached to that all of a sudden jump out and then they can go, well, it's true for those guys. And then you need good baseball to be played or at least entertaining baseball. Sometimes that can be uh, uh, two different things. But I thought it was all of that. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was good quality games. Um, I thought you had some some unexpected storylines. Indiana State being a, and that's the other there's layers to the baseball tournament because Indiana State is a host team. That's still an underdog, right? In some ways which is different from the NCAA tournament uh, in basketball sometimes. But then you also had true underdogs like Oral Roberts to the four seed in their regional, although, again, as I suggested, maybe not as big an underdog as uh, some would have thought. Um, just a lot of good things. Yeah, and it was entertaining. I thought it was well-produced, well-put on by everybody, and I'm um, looking forward to the Super Regionals as well. Did you anticipate when you were just 
absorbing all the NCAA regional greatness that you could over this weekend, which was extended into Monday because of weather. That you thought when we sit here on Wednesday, the Wednesday after NCAA regional weekend, that we would have to address fan bases of two programs beefing over Applebee's being there or not. I was not anticipating that sports Twitter yesterday when we had all the live PGA Tour news and everyone doing the thing that they're dating Taylor Swift now, that the Applebee's beef would somehow be one of the trending things in the world of sports. Yeah, and I look, I don't know if Applebee's has some like underlying marketing efforts that are like more impressive than we even know of because they find ways to get themselves in the mix here in the last couple of years spend multiple different things they had a very catchy song that I, I don't know if originally was sponsored by them or not I don't know they've they've been in the news though and yeah it's um there's like 97 factors that I would have considered before that about who should host or not, and I don't know how it landed on that. It completely took me off guard. I sat down my phone, and a couple hours later, I pop up, and in between uh, all the Live Golf PGA Tour stuff was... The, all this, all these people talking about Applebee's, and I'm like, yeah. And to catch what? some people up, which listen, I'm not fully caught up on the story either because I think there's some <laughs> layers to this that I haven't really uncovered yet. But um, there's something about there's a couple of Applebee's in Hattiesburg that have been permanently closed down um, recently or, or, or somewhat recently, and, and Knoxville apparently has a flourishing group of Applebee's restaurants uh, around town. Did uh, so those Applebee's enter the transfer portal and go to Knoxville? Maybe that's maybe that's the case. Maybe they were uh, looking for they wanted you to respect their decision. They're looking for a little bit more playing time elsewhere. Was there a lengthy Instagram post that was misspelled? I don't know what the deal is there, but Hattiesburg is going to host, and apparently people are going to have to rely on other sources of um, neighborhood bars and or grills, other than the the one with the apple. You know, eating good in the neighborhood. Apparently, you're not going to be able to do that in, in, in that specific super regional. Although, I don't know. Maybe there's another one around town. Maybe they can open one in a hurry. I don't, I don't know. There we go. There we go. Get that done. You Knock think, it out. You think people will be opting for fries, or maybe they'll be opting for onion rings in Hattiesburg this weekend? What do you think will be the top choice? Oh, I mean, it feels like it feels like an onion ring ty- type of town to me. Possibly. I don't know. That does lead us to our foodie poll question of the week. What's the best non-fries side for a hamburger? If you can't go fries, what do you go with? Right now, 52% of you say onion rings. 33% say potato chips. 9% say another burger. And 6% say baked beans. Once again, some of y'all have given me recommendations down the next time in New Orleans on where to get a delicious hamburger, which I will... I'm gladly taking. I'm gladly accepting. I am a big, I will accept your food recommendations guy. I'm all about that. You love a place, you want to tell me about it, I'm on board. I'm on board for that. But then are you going to, if it doesn't work out and it's not what it was said to be, are you going to then go back to that person? Or maybe that depends on who it is, right? Or are you just going to let them slide and just pretend like it was good? Because then if they ask you, then, you know, how was it? And it was horrible. Then what are you going with? You're going, yeah, your recommendation sucked. Don't tell me where to eat again. I was always taught that honesty is the best policy. Okay. Okay. So if it is, if a situation is uh, pas bon, as our Kevin Foote would say, I would have to, I would not put it on front street. On the social media, I would probably text them or DM them and say, hey, man, I checked out your spot. 
it wasn't all that good. And and much like you know, great starting pitchers having bad outings, it can it can be a situation where you just had some bad luck that time. I do do this. This is rule of thumb in our household. Is that when we go try a new place, we try it twice. If I've never been to a place before, I go twice before making the decision not to go back. Because you may catch them on an off night, right? Maybe someone called in sick. Maybe a, a order, you know, the truck didn't come in enough of time. Maybe they're breaking in some new folks. You never do know, right? Everyone has a bad day. So I usually give a place twice. I give my business twice before making the decision whether or not to come back. I think that's a good rule of thumb, too. And I think also sometimes the reputation now, it's the same thing, right? If you go in to see uh, a nice young pitcher pitch and he's really highly profiled and he has a bad outing, you're certainly more likely to go back because you're expecting good things. If you're going to a restaurant that you're already skeptical of and you have a really bad first outing, yeah, that's like the pitcher who just doesn't have a lot of promise. You oh, might yeah. go, you know what? I don't need to try it a second time. But I know for the most part, especially if a place comes with high recommendations, you, you got to give it a second chance. Correct. Correct. Keep those votes coming on our foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Let's not get sideways, people. Huh? Don't want the Facebook police involved today. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Fletcher Mackle from WDSU in New Orleans will be joining us, talking Saints OTAs. Heard from Michael Thomas, Derek Carr, and Dennis Allen yesterday. We'll get Fletcher's thoughts on what he heard and what he saw at practice. That's next, right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, Saints OTAs are up and running. Got to hear from Michael Thomas, Derek Carr, and Dennis Allen yesterday during the weekly media session to give us his thoughts on what he heard and also what he saw at the limited ability to watch practice is the man who has been the sportscaster of the year. He does it all for WDSU. Fletcher Mackle joins us now. Fletcher, good morning, bud. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for the for always with the, the the nice open. It always is kind of humbling when you say that. Hey, brother, you're the one that puts in the work. I just read. <laughs> That's all I do. That's <laughs> all I do. But you're welcome, my friend. You're welcome. So uh, before we dive into Saints OTAs, I want to get your thoughts on what happened yesterday with PGA Tour and Live because it does have an impact here in the state because of the Zurich Classic, which you have covered extremely well. You know that tournament like the back of your hand. What what's the initial reaction for the folks down in your neck of the woods when it concerns moving forward with the Zurich Classic and the new entity that's going to run golf on a global scale? Yeah, no, one, it was to me, look, my dad was a golfer and tied in with the with the Zurich Classic, and I've, I've grown up with 
the, the PGA Tour here my entire life. I mean, I've literally probably been to every single event here, you know, since the day I was born. Um, it's, it's a crazy time in the world of golf. And what happened yesterday was insane, unprecedented, completely caught everyone off guard. Um, I think the people here, and I talked to the people with the Zurich yesterday, they really have no idea. Like, like the players, you know, the, like the Rory McIlroys and the greatest players in the game that had no idea. They had no idea this was coming, what was happening, and what's going to be the precedent going forward. I think they're cautiously optimistic because they do have a good sponsor. Zurich is a good sponsor. It is a worldwide brand. They, they want to make golf a world sport now, merging the European Tour, the PGA Tour, the Live Golf Tour. Um, but again, th- th- there's a lot of events now. You know, there's, there's 30 plus on the PGA Tour. Live has 14. The European Tour has some. What is the schedule going to look like? How is it going to work? Are they going to be able to keep good players coming here? So I, I think they're all in a holding pattern right now, waiting to see kind of the nitty gritty. We, we heard the big announcement, live in in PGA, two sworn enemies who have just, I mean, they, they've turned the sport into a bloodbath in the last two years with what they've done and how they've operated going at each other, just an all-out war. And, and now all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, they're shaking hands and hugging and they're on the same team. But what does the schedule look like in 2024? I, I think everybody's curious to see which tournaments, you know, are, are still around, which ones aren't, how does the schedule work. So I, I think they feel confident that they're going to be okay, but until the dust settles, you know, we saw a crazy situation yesterday, crazy situation, more could happen, I guess, but I, I hope they're okay. It was as if uh, the episode of the Michael Scott paper company being purchased came to life. I, I just It's insane what happened because Liv wasn't really all that much of a threat. But yet, here we are, and they're merging together, uh, and we'll see how that develops moving forward. Let's switch gears to the Saints. Look, I know it's OTAs. It's not even really training camp, but we got to hear from Michael Thomas, and we played some of the clips earlier on today's show, Fletcher, and to me... For, you know, having interviewed this guy over the years, listening to him talk, he sounded relaxed. He sounded confident. He didn't sound like he was being forced up there to talk and to say nice things. This sounds like a guy that's locked in, ready to go to me. What was your impression? Yeah, he was it was it was crazy. It was it was a crazy day yesterday between Liv and Michael Thomas and and Zion announcing he was gonna become a father. I mean, we had a lot of a lot of local news that, or at least ties to the sports news side of things yesterday. But Michael Thomas was was there um, and was was affable with the media and was open with the media, talking about taking the pay cut to stay and it was no big deal, and about how he was never going to go anyplace else and how he always wanted to be here, and about how he's completely focused on his rehab. I mean, it was it was crazy from what we've seen and heard the last two years. I mean, this is a guy who did not have a great relationship with Sean Payton. They had a dust-up Sean Payton's last year here. He, he got in a fight with another player, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, he, he wasn't around the team last year at the game. Once he got injured, he was gone. So many of us, including myself, thought that when the 2022 season ended, Michael Thomas had played his last game as a New Orleans Saint. And then they, they get him on this restructured deal, and many wondered, well, is he going to be happy? Is is, is, is he going to show up? Is he going to work? And now 
He's here. He's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He's got teammates buying into him. So it was, yeah, it was, again, Liv and TGA was unprecedented. Michael Thomas showing up and and being the team leader was slightly unprecedented as well. But uh, nonetheless, a, a net positive for the Saints. Well, Fletcher, what do you make of the connection early on between Mike and Derek Carr? Because we also kind of played his comments on that, and he certainly said all the right things. Do you think there's some real chemistry there, and and could Mike become a favorite target of Carr if all works out and both are healthy? Yeah, I think that was one of the things that really brought Michael Thomas maybe back into the fold in an all-in type of way, so to say, because... Derek Carr maybe didn't know maybe if he knew the history he read it or had heard about it but he didn't live the history here with Michael Thomas so coming in with a fresh perspective and Derek Carr talked about how when he was going through this recruiting process it was Michael Thomas reaching out to him so I think Michael Thomas look when he got here had a real affinity for Drew Brees Drew Brees took him under his wing I think he realized the special talent that he was and and understood Brees processes things, understands the offense, can put him in a situation to be successful, and they found some real synergy together. I think Michael Thomas at least sees that with Derek Carr. And, and so he was in on Derek Carr knowing, I've got a quarterback that I believe in that can operate, that can put this offense in me in a good position. And so that was a really great start. And now they seem like bosom buddies. I mean, Carr's at Michael Thomas's presser yesterday laughing and joking. They're all bro hugs. And so that, that's great. Again, look, Michael Thomas, when healthy, is a physical, special player at the wide receiver position. It's just the last three years he's played in 10 of a possible 50 games and, and, and looks like a guy who got the bag, so to say, and then just got injured and doesn't play anymore. Um, so, so, look, if he's back on board and this is all real, and there's no reason to believe it's not real, I mean, look, Derek Carr seems like a sincere, true human being that's in and in, in, in doesn't come across as if he's, I hate to use the term like BSing you, so to say, but he comes across as very sincere and in, 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 in authentic. And Michael Thomas, that was the first time I'd seen him probably real and authentic in years. And so, again, if this is real, it's a good, and I think it is real, it's a good thing for the thing. Well, Fletcher, when you talk about the man in charge of the Saints these days, Dennis Allen um, certainly has a way of handling press conferences that I think was an adjustment for us, used to hearing Sean Payton talk, and I was kind of reminded of that when Sean uh, started doing some of his press conferences with the Broncos this offseason. What's it been like the second year now, hearing from Dennis Allen, but having a better idea of how he handles these press conferences and maybe how to get information out of him? Huh? What's been the, uh, the vibe from Dennis Allen this offseason? Yeah, look, I think Dennis is a really smart guy and a really great football coach, and, and he's got head coach-like qualities. I, I do think he's, he's more in tune with doing media than Sean was. That Sean, and I like Sean Payton, and I, I, I think I have a good relationship with Sean Payton, but Sean, sometimes, sometimes and, and even now in Denver, relishes the bully pulpit and, and definitely can be short at times, doesn't like certain questions, doesn't want to say certain things, likes to kind of – shape the narrative himself. Dennis doesn't seem to really care about a lot of that stuff. I mean, he is he's going to be guarded with certain things because he can't just, you know, give every, you know, here's every X's and O or here's every medical report, but he just answers the question and doesn't seem to be, you know, with an agenda or 
I don't like the question or I don't like something you wrote. I, he, he just kind of, we ask, he answers in, in kind of a more of an open book policy, a little bit more um, from a media perspective. Um, I, I Look, I, again, I've said this before. I think Dennis is a good coach. I think he's a good guy. I would like to see him have success here. The one thing that, that I liked last year was, and in, in people here in New Orleans ask me about it all the time, and I was quick to correct them. We saw in Denver, we've referenced Sean Payton. Nathaniel Hackett, you could see that team quit on him, and you can kind of tell when players tune out coaches. I saw it with Stan Van Gundy during COVID when the Pelicans hired him. This team never gave up on Dennis Allen, even after the rough start, even after the Tampa Bay game before the bye when they basically blew that game and cost themselves a playoff berth in any chance down the stretch. Those final four games, that locker room never quit on him. The veteran players, the young players, whatever he's doing behind closed doors, they still believe in. Whatever buttons he's pushing, they have not tuned out Dennis Allen. So I think that that was a, a large part um, in them retaining him, not that they were not going to retain him, but that was a large part, and he's our guy, no doubt about it, unequivocally. And that's why I think they've had a relatively productive offseason, even though nationally – People look at what Dennis Allen was with the Raiders, and people look at his first season here and don't have a lot of confidence in him. And maybe he's never going to be a great coach, but in that building right now, the coaches, the players still believe in Dennis Allen. We're talking with Fletcher Mackle, multiple Sportscaster of the Year award winner from WDSU. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. We'll get you out of here with this, Fletcher. You know, they addressed a lot of their needs through free agency and through the draft. But for me, two of the big things, big question marks are kind of off the field. And that's Marcus May dealing with his DWI case. That trial date has now been set for later in July. We still have the Alvin Kamara situation. We know Roger Goodell likes to hand out punishment for when players finally get arrested or their trials are over. Is that one of the big looming things about the Saints for this upcoming season is going to be the status of their starting safety and their starting running back? Yeah, and I would probably say running back more than safety. Look, I, I understand the situation with Marcus May. He got a, a DWI when he was playing with the New York Jets. I, I certainly think you look at the precedent in the NFL, and there's, uh, there's dozens and dozens of similar cases of situations like that. And, and I probably think it's going to be a game or two because that is in the realm of what other cases similar to that have, have you know, been dealt with regarding punishment. Kamara is a different situation, and, and I think this could be more severe. And, and the reason why is the fact that it's gotten this far is almost mind-blowing. We have a legal analyst at the TV station that I work with, and she's really, really good. And, and, and she was tied in with Orleans, uh, uh, the, the Orleans District Attorney's Office, and worked for them for a very long time. And she laid out the case and goes, the fact that it's gotten this far is, is crazy. Because here's the thing. Alvin Kamara is on video punching somebody. Then there's a video of Alvin Kamara getting in a car talking about hitting somebody. Alvin Kamara, you have not heard one time. Just wait till the facts come out. The truth will come out. There's going to be, you know, a new piece of evidence. All of this has been about mitigating the damages for Alvin Kamara. So that means settling with the person that is the victim and in, in trying to get a lesser charge against you, get this down to a misdemeanor. You'll still miss a few games. It will still cost you seven figures, but 
it will it will be a faster process. Where they are now with this going to trial, he is not going to win this. If he loses and is a convicted felon, he could miss six to eight games on top of once he if he gets found guilty for a felony assault charge, he's going to lose a civil trial and he's going to lose even more than probably paying off the guy to get this reduced. So I'm paraphrasing a lot of what our legal analyst told us, but the long version of this is this looks very bad for Alvin Kamara, and he could miss a lot of time with the Saints because the legal advice that he has gotten, according to our legal analyst, is not very good, and how it's gotten this far is is mind-blowing. Fletcher, appreciate your insight as always. Keep up the tremendous work that you and your entire team are doing down there at WDSU, brother. Thank you for the time, bud. Enjoy your week. All right, thank you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Me, oh my, crawfish pie. What a day it was. Well, we covered a lot today, didn't we? PGA Tour, Live Golf, Merger. Boy, money talks, doesn't it? <laughs> Astros losing to the Blue Jays. Former McNeese star Jace Peterson going five for five, having himself a record night. 500th career hit in his career for the former McNeese Cowboy. We talked a little New Orleans Saints football. Talked Raging Cajuns. Talked LSU. Started previewing some of the Super Regionals. What a day it was. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins from Tiger Details. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and Fletcher Michael from WDSU. We did have a foodie poll question of the week. What's the best non-fries side for a hamburger? 54% of you have voted onion rings. 31% say potato chips. 10% say another burger. I respect that. And 5% of you say baked beans. Thanks to all who voted on our poll question of the day. Thanks to all of you who left your comments. Like Robert, who said, Can I have another burger with onion rings and chips? Baked beans are for a barbecue. But what if your burger is part of the barbecue? Just saying. Just throwing it out there. But thanks to all who made us part of your morning. We appreciate you for that. Bud, producer extraordinaire. D to the low. Son of Iceman. Any final thoughts on this wonderful Wednesday edition of RP3 and Company? Microphone's yours. Um, I think I've been to many a barbecue where burgers were a part, so yes, I would say that. I would add this as well, and to kind of cap off our foodie poll question, the question wasn't certainly around the burger. It was more on the peripherals. But I think another important aspect to the burger that is separate from the patty itself is the bun. You really need to be toasting your buns or grilling them if it's uh, on the grill situation. It just adds a layer to it. You're going to butter it first, put it on both. You're going to get a little bit of a grill action on both sides as well. Um, And then lastly, you know, if you're going for the soft kind of potato bun, very soft style, I'm okay in that situation with not toasting it. But that's really the only hamburger bun in which you're not going to want to put a little char on there 
um, before enjoying your delicious creation. Producer extraordinaire, fill-in host, two degrees, barbecue hamburger bun expert. The man does it all. Man of the people you are. My bun of choice is brioche as well. (laughs) That's going to do it for today's edition of RP3 and Company. We'll be back on tomorrow, 6 to 9. Up next is Kevin Foote in footnotes right here on the game.